0: So I was, I was trying to think of a, of a title for this homily, and we're in the middle of a, pre, a homily series actually here, a sermon series, and this is week number two, I think. It's on the new man. And I'm trying to kind of include that also in this homily, where we're speaking about impact on this whole weekend, impact, how does my life have impact? And that's a good question. We've been trying to figure that out all day already, and yesterday, and last night, and tomorrow. Um, what do we need to do so that my life has impact? And I would like to present to you three ways to destroy your impact. So, it, like, if you don't want to have any impact, this is what you've got to do. I, we could have maybe also called it th- um, the three signs of a miserable life. <laughs> um, so, what I would share with you, I mean, we heard a lot of different ways that we, on the other hand, could have impact, no? Um, this morning, in the beautiful talk that we had, and those of you who were present at it. And I and could maybe mention other things, but I think the readings today, it's very apropos. I mean, this is what we, we didn't choose these. This is what normally in the Catholic Church is read all over the world um, in the 400,000 different masses that there are. Um, we read these same readings, but I think they're very apropos for what we're talking about today. And they, they offer, I would suggest to you, three things that you should do if you don't want to have any impact. Um, if you want to be totally irrelevant in your life. Um, and, and the first one would be to shun responsibility. The second one would be put yourself first. And the third is to, to deny the truth. So to shun responsibility, put yourself first and to deny the truth. And I'd like to maybe go a little bit deeper into those three ideas with you. So the first one is shun responsibility. If you notice in the gospel today, Christ says, if you do this, this is going to happen. If you do that, this is going to happen. So basically, I mean, you could talk also about the particular things he's talking about. But one of the things that he's definitely saying is our actions have consequences. Or our non-actions have consequences. And to think it will be different with me is silly, at best, um, insane, and in worst case. You know, to think that we can bend reality and make it do something that, that it never has done and never will do is insane. <laughs> to think it's going to be different with me is just crazy. So if I do certain things, it's going to have certain consequences. You know, and that's what responsibility is all about, is to say, okay, I'm making a decision. That I'm all in. No. I, this life thing, God has given me this life thing. No, I've got a life here in this world, in this world to live. Now I can say I don't like it. Stop the world! I want to get off. Or I can say, and I can blame everybody. I can blame my parents. I can blame my school system. I can blame the government. I can blame everybody that hasn't given me a job. I can blame all these different things. But and I can become bitter at the world and at God and everything else. Or I can say I'm going to take responsibility for my life, my hands. And I think that's one of the first things that Christ is saying. And if you look at, it, think about it, really, you know, the lack of that is one of the first original sins of the human person. This is why, right away, you have kind of you have the kind of the the, the fringe people, which is like Adam and Eve. But right away, the second, the se- like their kids, like Cain and Abel. What is what is Cain's big sin is? Is precisely this, where is your brother? Well, uh, how do I know? None of my business. No, he refuses to take responsibility. And he denies reality. He didn't, you know, give the he didn't give his best. And he knows it. If I've said something wrong, why is you, why why are you looking down on the earth? God asks him. And he knows it in the depth of his heart. You know, sometimes somebody will come to me after driving here for an hour, and I try to be super respectful when that happens, because you can really put your foot in it and, and, and really hurt somebody badly, right? But I try to say, look, you know, you've come here an hour to tell me that you don't feel bad when you do that. Why are you telling it to me? You know? like, wh- why are you saying it? You don't have to excuse yourself in front of me. And, and would it be interesting to look deeply into your heart and see what's really there, what you really want? what What is your deepest longings? You know, John Paul II, um, one of his one of his big ideas, which has influenced me a lot and has made me think a lot, is the deepest, most profound longings of the human person are absolutely correct. Just that a lot of times they're covered over with expectations from others, from egotism, from self-seeking. But, but to follow those deeper longings, that's responsibility. I'm, sa- I'm going to take responsibility for my life. Life and death is put before you. Water and fire, choose what you want, and it will be given to you. That's the first reading today. You choose. What do you want? How do you want to go through life? Responsibility is a direct consequence of our freedom, and not wanting to take on responsibility is not wanting to exercise our freedom. It's immaturity. It's childishness. And, and yet it is freedom exercised through decision that opens up, up us up to the higher things of life, like love, for example, right? There can be no love without freedom. And therefore, there can be no love without responsibility. And that's what the egotist loves to do. I am not going to take on responsibility. I don't care about you, but I want what you're going to give me. But I, at the end of the day, I don't care about you. I want what, you, what you're going to give to me that's not love, that's not freedom, that's becoming a slave of your whatever, but it's def- definitely not becoming a free person. If, if you shun your responsibility, you are lived more than that you live. You are lived by your surroundings, you don't, are not impacting your surroundings, the surroundings are impacting you. Is that a way to have impact in the world? There's hardly a better imaginable way to destroy any chance of impact that you might have had than to do that. And to realize that in each moment, no, God is giving us an incredible opportunity to choose life or to choose death, to choose the water, or to choose the fire, to build up this world or to tear it down, to construct or to destroy my own life and those around me the society I live in, the city I live in, the workplace I'm, I'm trying to, to offer my talents to. And it's interesting that Christ in his gospel seems to apply this idea, also the idea of mediocrity. If your if justice does not surpass that of the scribes, if you're, unless your holiness and your justice does not surprise that of the scribes and the Pharisees, shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. And, and here... It, what, what is Christ doing here? He's not, you know, coming up with a big finger, but, but he's, he, he's, he's reminding us that Christianity is above all a call to great ideals. That we're called to live an imprint, an impact in those around us and society at large. I really love, by the way, the, the choice you made of, of the weekend to call it impact. You know? um, a lot of times in English, when you talk about leadership, you say leadership is influence. And I think that's true. But sometimes, especially in German, sometimes also I would say in English, that can have something, it sometimes can be understood in a wrong way, kind of manipulative, you know, I want to influence somebody, I want to beeinflussen. So impact maybe is even like a nicer way to say it, it's a better way to say it, because that's what it's about, and impact is about like leaving an imprint, it doesn't go away right away, right? It it leaves an impact, there's something that stays, that remains um, in the life, Of those around in Christ in Christianity is a call to these great ideals to leave an imprint in those around me and in society at large. But it is an effective call. And this is like when Christ is uh, is calling us to shun mediocrity. And to go for the stars. To shoot for the stars. It's not just an invitation. Christianity is not just presenting us higher ideals for life and for love and for justice and for truth and for mercy. But he's giving us the power to live what he's presenting to us. The gospel is gospel. It's good news. Because it's not just, okay, I'm telling you what to do, and then if you don't live up, well... I was gonna say screw you, but maybe I shouldn't say that. I don't know I'm losing my English. I don't know how bad or good that is. Like in my time, you could. still it was just a bit of on the borderline at what you could say in a homily. But that's not what God wants to tell us, right? Is it, he, he's he's not he's not saying okay, and especially me us in the German speaking world because we're so because we're so influenced by idealism. Is that? is that sometimes the ideal frustrates us instead of inspiring us. But that's not what, what the gospel is trying to do. It's not trying to frustrate us and say, well, look at those high ideals that I'm calling you to, and, and you'll never be able to fulfill it. But no, it's, he's giving us a power to do that. God, Christ is God's wisdom and God's power, is what we hear in the second reading today. It's another type of wisdom. It's another type of looking at the world. And, and that's why true humility for the Christian is not, oh, I'm so bad, I'll never be able to do anything. I'll just lock myself in my room and, and hope life passes quickly. No, you're daring, you're courageous. Why? Because you're trusting on the infinite power of God that's going to support you. That's put those desires in your heart. And he's saying, look, life or death, you know, shoot for the stars. Don't be, don't be happy with mediocre. And so, if, if you think, okay, how am I going to have impact in my life? Well, it's definitely not if you choose to be a mediocre person. All right, well, maybe that's, that's the first idea. I mean, you could talk, rant, and rave forever about responsibility and how important it is for it to find relevance, to feel, have a sensation of relevance. You know, I would say it's directly proportional uh, to the sensation of relevance. My life is making a difference. Because I'm not allowing just circumstances to dictate um, what I do and what I think. But I, I, want to, I want to be the one who's also having an impact on those around me in a positive sense, obviously. I hope. <laughs> so the, the point is the redemption of to Christ, not just bring with a new set of ideas, but a new range of possibilities of capacities of the human heart. So when we feel this calling to trust our hearts. Uh, a lot of times, you, we wouldn't trust our hearts. Uh, oh no, that's that's just no. But to, to, but to hear what's what's coming, this ache from the depths of my soul, and to say, I trust that I'm going to follow that voice. Okay. Second way to cry kind of. Okay, sorry. Well, we had that already. Put yourself first. Life is not about you. you know, a very famous book begins with those words. So. Rick Warren, Purpose Driven Life. No? Life is not about you. And this is not exactly a cultural, like that's really counter cultural. But I, but I would propose to you that the gospel message you're saying is if you want to have impact, um, you've, got to, you've got to make that part of, what, that has to be your, one of your core values. Life is not about you. Put out yourself first. Not, that's a great way to avoid influencing others in a positive way, of having an impact in the world around me. is just thinking about me, my precious.." And Christ offers us some very um, interesting ideas about this. And he, he gives us the scene of this well he, ta- he talks about this commandment, "You shall not commit adultery. What I say to you is anyone who looks lustfully, the woman has already committed adultery with her in his thoughts. Obviously, it also works the other way around. And we know what is meant. Maybe men understand that a bit better um, because we're so visual, right? But, but the point is it can be the other way around because it's not just a matter of the eyes. It's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of what's behind that, you know? and, But what is the deeper meaning of what's going on here? Is this, it's the logic of having against the logic of giving, it's, I see that apple, Adam and Eve, I want to have it right now. I can't wait. I'm going to grab it. That personal theory that maybe the apple tree, this apple story, which is Adam and Eve themselves, you know, they're like grabbing the other person for my own interests, using the other person for my own interests. And how beautiful it is when I see, realize that there's somebody who looks at me with a glance of love and not of egotism. That there's someone who who appreciates me for what I am and not for what I give that person. That is capable of seeing through a, a glance that comes from his own heart, a glance of love that is able to penetrate deeper than just the exterior of my own being and helps me to travel into my own heart to realize who I am in the eyes of God. You know, this unconditional love of, of having the sensation and and making the experience that there's someone who's looking at me with a glance of inspiration. That's so inspiring. You no, know, when you realize there's someone that believes in me and helps me to understand that I am so much more than my faults and my failings and my whatever, you know, things that I've messed up in my life and, and, and maybe what others are expecting of me or the things that I think that I will never be able to achieve. If there's someone there that believes in you, that's something extremely beautiful when that happens. And, and, and when we're here, Christ here is talking in the context of love, right? But and when we're thinking about this, when he's capable that he's yes to someone, at the end of the gospel today you let your yes be yes and a no a no No? that is yes to someone is not just for a couple of years as long as the other person gives me what I want satisfies my emotional needs or whatever needs but is a yes not to what I receive but to the other what the other person is worthy of my love and care carry with dignity beyond all telling which is always so much greater Again, then there are false and fadings. Uh, I remember several times in my own life where, where that was extremely important for me, where I realized there's someone like when I entered into the the, the religious religious order I'm part of, there was someone there that really believed in me. And he saw stuff in me, things in me that I didn't see and brought it out of me. And that's so incredible when, when we're able to look at each other in that way. And Do you think that would have impact? In our business world, in our family lives, in our student meetings that we might have? Do you you think that would be a way of having impact in someone else? Or if you're all only interested about sucking everything that you can out of the other person, is that a way to irrelevance or not? I think it is. I I think it's a great way to, to destroy any positive influence and impact that you might have in somebody else. is just suck everything out of that person until, you know, he's dry or she's dry. Especially if you add a little bit of manipulation to it, that's, that's even better, no? I was thinking about that this morning, you know, like when Christ saying, let your yes be yes and no and no, how beautiful it is um, when, when, when someone is, is being, has that capacity of, of making himself vulnerable and even asking the other person for forgiveness. Now, Jesus is preaching in Galilee and he's giving this idea of if you've got something on the altar, so in Jerusalem, so if you've gone to Jerusalem and you remember, ah, I've, I have something against my brother, go all the way back to Galilee and ask him for forgiveness before you bring that offering. I mean, that's like a three-day journey, you know, it's like, that's... Um, and how beautiful that is, you know, when we're able to not think that I'm how better than you or that when we're able to be vulnerable in our in a mutual relationship, is, is is someone who. in Any kind of a leadership position, and we're all called to that because we're all called to be salt of the earth and light of the world. Um, when he's able to be vulnerable and able to ask for forgiveness or. Uh, I was just, one of you, I was sharing this, this story, I was thinking about this, this young girl that couldn't sing very well, and everybody else in the school told her that, except for one teacher who saw something in that girl. And I can't remember the name of the singer today, but like, I don't know how many millions of downloads on YouTube. Because there was some person once in her life that said, I believe in you. You're going to be a great singer. I, I don't know if you know the book, The Power of Moments from Chip Heath and his brother. The same two that wrote the book, Make It Stick. Um, And they analyze this idea. Why is it that sometimes a weekend, a phrase like the phrase of this teacher to his student, um, the phrase of a dad who says to his daughter maybe, you're beautiful, you're my princess, instead of, oh, you'll never make it in life. um, That both those moments can have an incredible impact More impact than maybe three years of college. So to be able to say, okay, well, what do I need to do to... um, That my words and the way that I look at people, the way that I invest in people, the way that I am not living for myself but for others, if I want to have impact, that's the way to do it. And if I don't want to have impact, a great way to do it is just to live... Um, for myself. And then the last idea I'd like to share with you is sorry Um, I was trying to give you the gospel passage for each of them, but I keep forgetting. And then the third thing is to deny the truth. To deny the truth. Let your yes be yes and no no. Never swear. Why do you need to strengthen your words with an oath? Perhaps because you're otherwise not trustworthy? There's a great power in telling the truth, always, without exception, whatever the consequences. It's also a great adventure, because sometimes you don't know what's going to happen. It's really scary, right? But it's pretty cool, because it's a pretty neat adventure. To so try to tell the truth always, whatever happens. Um, and there's a, great, there's a great power in that. And those of you that know me know that I, one of my favorite ideas is precisely this one in the, in the last months. Um... One of the things that Solzhenitsyn w- w- was saying in one of his books, it, what does it take to topple a tyranny? And he answers his own question. He says, one person that starts telling the truth. And he doesn't say that as a hyperbole. He really means that. There, there's an incredible power when you start being authentic, when you start being who you are, and you start saying what you really believe, not what you just, you know, somebody told you this morning or what you read in a book somewhere, but, but what you have really eternalized and said, I'm convinced of this. I think those kind of people start really having impact. And, and I was trying to figure out, well, why is that? Well, maybe it's because God is truth. And his word is truth. Jesus says of himself, he, the word that was made flesh, that is truth. I am the truth. And maybe it's because once you start telling the truth, you, you participate in somehow in, in his word that is God and in his omnipotence and in his power. You know, sometimes we say somebody to say somebody, I'm sorry, or I love you, and everybody knows it's just a, hot, a whole bunch of hot air. There's nothing behind it. It's just blah, blah, blah. But when God says something, "Let there be light," there's light. And when He says, "Get up from the dead," that person gets up from the dead. And when He says, you know, "See," he, that person is able to see again. There's something very uniquely powerful that happens when people who are the image of the Word of God do the same thing. In um, how much of what we say or do is really real? Is it really me that, that I'm talking, or is it just repeating things? Or am I absorbed from my surroundings? or because that's what's expected or because i'm afraid of what could happen if i see it, say otherwise no this famous phrase of martin luther king jr from the prison there was a time when the christians were thermostats and not just thermometers no when they regulated the temperature of society and just didn't reflect the temperature of society they were thermostats in other words they regulated the temperature how much heat there was, and weren't just thermometers reflecting the temperature. A great idea, a great image, and this is is the point. No, it's not just, I'm going to reflect what everybody else says, why? Because everybody else says it. No, because I'm convinced of it, and that can be an instrument of change. That kind of a person can have impact. Authenticity can be tremendously attractive. There's a humility about it, because For the truthful person, it's ultimately not about him. There's a higher law or a higher love to speak with Mumford and Sons. There's a higher law and a higher love outside of himself that he serves, right? And when that law is love, this truthfulness begins to be very creative or just about about anything worth living for. and and lies on the other hand negate reality as it is and if you do that if you don't accept reality as it is well first of all you won't see what needs to change what needs to be impacted or you might be impacting the wrong things. it's a great idea from this british adventurist megan um heim when she says acceptance helps us to ditch our emotional luggage and think more clearly because we're no longer using our energy to fight reality. Acceptance helps us to ditch our emotional luggage and think more clearly because we're no longer sapping our energy, fighting reality. We have accepted reality. We're looking at it responsibly. And we're, we're, we're not denying it. We're asking, okay, what, what, am, I, what am I going to do? There's a creative force and truth that cuts through the lies of one's own life, those of others, and of those of society. All right. Um, well, sorry for, for um, ranting and raving here about how to live a miserable life. Um, but I would suggest to you, if you want to do it, this is the way. No, it's, it's, um, it's shun responsibility. Put yourself first. And bend the truth. And maybe a way to turn that around would be. I'm all in. I'm going to take on responsibility for my life. I'm all in. I'm going to say you're first. I'm going to enter into this logic of love. Instead of a logic of egotism. And. I'm going to try to make myself correspond to reality. Not the other way around. I'm not going to try and bend reality. So that it fits. what I. Would like it to be, um, because if I do that, well, you know, not just don't let it have an impact? I just destroy just myself. All right. Well, let's pray for each other um, that each one of us can be an instrument of change, of impact in this world. That we help each other uh, where we can to inspire each other to, to that greatness, to those great ideals that that we're being called to. Um, all of us. And if you're like you're not a Christian type of person, I mean, all of us are called to greatness. No. But for, for, for us who are trying to uh, take this walk with, with, with Christ, with our Lord, then to realize also there's, there's, a, there's a greater love, there's a greater law that is there to help me out. Yeah. I'm not in this alone. Like, he, he's going to help me. So let's, let's, let's come to him now in, this, in the rest of this Mass in this Eucharist, asking him that all of us in this room might, uh, might hear that calling, that call with effectiveness in the depth of our heart, Um, to be instruments of change and have impact in this world and those around us. Amen.